0: Welcome to the Developer Spotlight on the Full Dive Gaming Podcast. In the Developer Spotlight, we sit down with VR industry professionals. This week, we're sitting down with Jason Yim, founder of Trigger XR. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Nice to nice to be on. Thank you so much. Hey, we're really happy to have you here. And while we're saying thank you, we also have to thank our sponsor real quick. Asterian Products—they make high-quality VR and AR headset accessories. They have an Aura VR headset stand. It's a gorgeous stand. It's got RGB, and you can put your VR headset on the throne it actually deserves. Check them out on Amazon if you use code foldive 10 you'll save an extra 10% on their products. Jason, I'm pretty excited to have you on here because we've talked to developers, we've talked to content creators, gamers, but I think you're the first person that's ever a professional in the XR industry, which I'm really excited to talk about. But I do wonder if our listeners may be a little unfamiliar with what XR is. Do you wanna talk about what the term XR means and what it includes?
1: Yeah, sure. And it is funny, like uh, there aren't many of us out there. <laughs> you know, it's uh, we've been in AR since 2009, but it, it, it's been- Oh, wow. Uh, uh, our first AR project was a webcam based AR for the movie district nine for Sony. So oh. yeah. So back in the day, like that was like a, a you, you printed out a piece of paper, held it in front of your webcam and then the 3d, you know, the, the, the space station or the characters were on top of the paper and we're like, Whoa, this is amazing. But you know, <laughs> uh, they thir- 12, 13 years after that. Like it's, you know, it's all in mobile. It's on HMDs now and stuff. So, uh, the the text definitely advanced a lot. But in general, we consider XR as a, the spectrum between AR and VR. So VR, of course, you guys are all familiar, it's fully immersive, you put on the headset and you can't see the real world around you. And then uh, AR is you, of course, you can see the world around you. And then the digital content is just kind of piecemeal layered on, on top of that. So XR is everything in between, because there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of gray area, like in terms of like how much uh, haptics are, are, are involved, you know, uh, how much of the real world can you actually see through. So some of the new XR devices are almost like VR headsets, you know, 8K VR in each eye, but it has a pass through camera. So you can actually see the real world and see people walk in and out of the virtual space. So That's when it becomes very mixed.
0: That's awesome. And it's funny that you bring it up because I feel like being someone in the VR industry, people always ask me, Oh, what's it going to be in the future? Is it going to be VR or is it going to be AR? And I often respond XR and watch them get very confused and lost because most of us believe that there will be some sort of merge of the two. How do you respond when people ask you VR or AR?
1: Yeah, we definitely think XR. We, we, we think that's when it's most powerful. Like of, of course, at the beginning, you have these two very separate technologies. But the power of it is when when it's like the seamless experience going back and forth, right? Like you can do something in this, uh, and that's kind of our approach to the metaverse as well. Like you can do something fully immersive, but then when you take off the headset and you're, you know, on the bus going to school or whatever, and, you know, you can continue that experience in, in the real world, you know, uh, and then uh, you can still play the game or or capture the creatures and stuff. But then as soon as you can get back to the fully immersive side of it, everything you did in the real world kind of carries back over. So uh, we want that kind of connectivity all the way through.
2: Speaking of catching creatures, Pokemon Go is one of the biggest examples that's used when people are explaining AR. Do you think that's good or bad for AR since that's a pretty simple example?
1: So the funny thing is, uh, I think uh, overall it was great for AR in that it made it was b- before Pokemon came out. It was so hard for us to explain to clients what AR was. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have to, like, even verbally saying, like, "Yeah, 3D things appear in your real world." Like, it's so hard to understand. Uh, but with Pokemon, they saw it. You know, and then everyone saw it. Their kids, their kids were playing with it. So even though with Pokemon, like, that AR moment was so small, and and people didn't sometimes even turn it off, um, it, it was enough that. Then people understand the core concept and then you could sell or you could you could push them to do bigger experience on, uh, on top of that. And the funny thing is we're actually a big partner with Niantic right now. So Niantic has launched their Lightship program, which is taking this underlying AR tech for, for uh, Pokemon Go. And now we can take it and apply uh, it to brands and stuff. So we just launched Coachella, which was built on ARDK from Niantic. We just launched a, a PGA game to teach kids how to play golf. Uh, That was all built off of the same tech that uh, uh,
0: Pokemon Go is uh, sitting on.
2: Nice. That's,
0: that's funny that you mentioned that because I was even thinking to myself, and this is actually our next question. The space is new. VR is still new. People at least know what VR is by now. But AR has had a few moments where it's starting to kind of get into the mainstream. People have some idea of what it is. When brands come to you, do they know already, okay, I want this exact idea done in AR or XR, or do they kind of come like, I don't really know what I want, but I want you to help me create it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there's usually some mix between the two. Uh, often uh, we, we have a lot of clients that are marketing type of clients. So in the marketing world, when it comes to AR, things like social AR, like like Snap, your Snap lenses and stuff are, are is augmented reality, right? Like that that's become so common and so um, so robust in terms of like the numbers that you get that it's it's just part of the digital marketing budget now so a movie comes out a product comes out they're going to spend x dollars on social ar it's not a debate it's not you know should we spend the money it's like hey we know this is effective let's spend that money and then there are other groups that are more on the innovation side that they are trying to solve a different kind of problem like we have a lot of sports clients so like during the pandemic hey we can't get people into stadium how do we get them to feel like they're they're there or some sense of that experience. Can you help solve that, you know, using XR and AR? Uh, And that's what we bring to the table. Then we have to kind of, you know, do user studies. We have to like uh, do prototypes to test. And then when those work, we kind of build it into full- Uh, pilot or or commercial product.
0: That's really cool that you bring that up. And I saw that you actually partnered in like the Super Bowl halftime show, Marvel movies, when people ask you, you know, hey, what do you do? Is there a certain project that you bring up that is kind of like your calling card that people are going to know about?
1: Yeah, so we we've worked, uh, we started as a film marketing agency. And one of our first projects was uh, a Spider-Man 2, you know, Uh, we so we've worked on And at my previous agency, uh, uh, that I was one of the owners of, we were the uh, lead creative digital team for the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. So we've worked on every single Spidey since then, Um, and um, uh, and we've gone from like just websites to uh, you know to like small stuff on mobile to full mobile apps to now like AR content. Um, So we're known for that. We're known for uh, doing AR for Star Wars. Um, So we've been a Lucasfilm has been a client for our, of ours for like 12 years. We started doing Flash-based advert games for them. Uh, and now we do a lot of their AR content that you, you might see in their, in the Star Wars app or, or on partner apps like uh, the Google Pixel phone and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, and then I would say Lego uh, as well. So a lot of the kind of... Um, uh, we did the a big AR installation or XR installation in the, in the Lego museum. Uh, it's called the Fish Designer. Uh, It's their highest performing um, uh, kind of exhibit, 30 to 40 minutes playtime. But kids go in, they build like fish out of brick, and they put it into a a scanner. And then it comes to life in in these six massive digital tanks. Oh, my gosh. That's that's like everything I dreamed of as a kid (laughs) playing with Legos. (laughs) That's
2: that's awesome. awesome.
1: So there's a lot of kind of like, um, I actually went and... um, I lived in denmark for three months in bed with their team uh our head of innovation was a a lead lego designer who came over and joined us um we've done kind of 30 plus uh projects with them that are just about experimenting on this kind of digital physical xr play like what is this new way of like interacting between like you know tactile physical things and then and then the digital experience around it uh, that all gets kid tested, so there's a lot of uh, learning from that for for
0: sure. I nice. saw that you have offices uh, currently in LA, Shanghai, and the you just mentioned Denmark. I was just curious when I hear that list, why Denmark?
1: Uh, actually, we are only LA now, but uh, before Denmark is is Lego headquarters. Okay, mm. yeah, yeah. So they are in uh, they are headquartered in Billund, and we had a small office in Orhus, uh, which was uh, about an hour away. It's kind of like the Billund is in the middle of like super countryside. I think there's like 2,000 people in the town before oh, wow. work starts and then it like, balloons up to like 7,000 with all the Lego staff and then it goes back down again. So, um, uh, so really nice town, really quaint, but like no restaurants, no nightlife. So, our, our Aarhus was like where where all the young people
0: went back and, and lived, you know? <laughs> it's just funny. I've always wanted to go there, but it's not a name you see pop up in like the lists of where tech companies are very often. Right. So that made me curious.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a m- amazing experience, amazing company. Like, uh, just to see, you know, like they, they're the top uh, brand in the world, you know, number one toy brand. And every single project they had this discipline of like trying to reinvent and find the fun again, like they would never go in and go, like, hey, we're Lego. We know exactly this is gonna be a hit. Like everything started with like, we're not sure, let's test this, let's make sure the kids will like this. Like and you're like, what the heck, you guys are Lego, like and it's Star Wars or whatever, like they're gonna love it, but but they would they would have that discipline to make sure that it's it's perfect. So yeah.
2: That's great. Fun. Well, you talked a little bit about um sports things earlier. Can you tell us a little bit more about how xr fits into sports marketing yeah
1: i think um um you know on, on the on the simple side again on the social lenses and stuff like that we've, we've uh we've done things where let's say you go to a Reebok store and there's a mural outside and you can hold up your phone and you know uh, uh, maybe with a, a snap lens or something that mural comes to life and it's kind of activating the advertising that that's already there um or you could do, uh, we had a project with Nike where there were special sensors in the shoe. So that was the expensive part of the shoe, but you couldn't you couldn't see it, right? So with AR, you could walk up and look at the shoe and it would expand. You could see the sensor on the inside. but uh-huh. tell you how all the tech worked, um, but that was all on the user's phone. So you didn't need, Nike didn't have to install all these giant screens and devices at every single store. All they had to do was a, put a QR code, The user could just use their phone and wherever that shoe was being sold, you just needed to put a little QR code on their display and you could add all this layer of digital content on top, uh, which is super powerful. And then that same thing, they could put it on their brochures. They could do it on their print ads. They could do it on their, you know, like social media to to kind of generate that content. Um, So that's on the, on the sale kind of like commerce side, but on the fan engagement side, like what we were trying to do was, uh, two things, again, from the pandemic, you couldn't actually go into the stadium. How do you get a feeling of, of um, uh, being there? So uh, one example that you mentioned, the Super Bowl, um, as the Super Bowl uh, halftime was going on, Pepsi had an app and, and w- when was pushing users to kind of teleport, step into an AR portal into the halftime show. So uh, through our experience, you could, um, in your living room or whatever, you, you're watching the game on broadcast and, you could plant a door, a physical door, in your room, and you could step through that door. And when you step through, you're in this 360 video right wow. uh, on stage. Wow,
2: so, that's so cool! Yeah,
1: so you could see Snoop on TV, and then in in on your phone, you're like standing right next to him. You could turn over, and it's you know Dr. Dre, and and it was completely synced that way. So um, we've done, and this was also through Verizon as a as a partner. We've done. Many many kind of like uh, sports portals from them. So we've gone into you know NASCAR races. We went to the Miami F1 race. Like all these all these big events around the world. But it's so many people can't be there. You know, it's such an exclusive right. experience sometimes. So so this using AR to portal into it is uh, uh, really powerful. And with the the Super Bowl experience, like the the numbers were were incredible. It's like you know hundreds of thousands of people in the portal at the same time, and they they stayed like the length of the performance. It wasn't like a, Hey, this is just a little gimmick. Oh, that's cool. And I, I bounced out of it. It was like, wow, this is, this is really interesting to, to, to be in both places at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. like to see the linear, what they just present on broadcast and then, and then having your agency in control as well. Right. Um, and then the other, and then the other way to kind of enhance the sports side is, uh, we work a lot with live data. So, I think, uh, especially probably with kind of your, your younger viewers and, and how people are starting to consume sports and with betting and stuff, like there's a lot more interest in kind of um, diving a little bit deeper into the plays, you know? So in stadium, A, you may not get even the broadcast type of information. In AR, we, we can bring that up. So it can, you know, it could uh, uh, tell you the distance of the next, uh, next down or, you know, uh, all the basic stuff that you see in broadcast. But then at home we can add even deeper layers of information, right? You could pick individual players and just present their stats uh, in in real time in your room, floating next to your TV. Um, and the 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 most we've done with that is with NHL. We did a project where um, the players actually had chips on their uh, on their uniforms, and the puck had a chip. Oh, so it's real time telemetry from an NHL game, and then we could. We took that telemetry and you could put a rink on your tabletop or on your floor and it was all synced in real time. That's so cool. Tap on any player and it'll tell you their their speed and like shot speed, all this sort of stuff. And uh, the NHL had never, it wasn't like baseball that's had that kind of, those stats for many years. Like any uh, hockey is so fast, they never had that until they put in that technology. So, now you wow. can see all this like data that you never had. Wow. That is so it's really cool. changing kind of that sport kind of engagement and, and uh enjoyment, I think, in the future for sure.
2: Yeah. You're making Some it of this all stuff kinda reminds me of like uh, you know, those futuristic shows like Black Mirror. I know usually Black Mirror is kind of more negative side, but you know, <laughs> just just futuristic shows that show like, oh, you see something and you just kinda like tap on it and you see all this information. Do you see like a future of having, you know, contact lenses or something like that, where people can interact in real time with their environment and have all these extra, all this extra information and things like that. For sure,
1: I think like it's gonna be, and it's not that far off. I don't think so. Like one thing that Niantic is doing that we're helping them with is this thing called a, a VPS. It's called Visual Positioning System. So it's it's the idea that uh, you can pre-scan you know let's say a a statue or the entrance to your hotel and whenever someone holds up a phone they'll actually recognize that in 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 3d and you can place whatever content you want on top of it but Niantic is going to build a world map that has all this uh, data so everywhere you walk around in theory will start your phone will be able to recognize and place things exactly onto it so and those things can be like informational like you know, restaurant is this way, you know, bathrooms are 20 meters over there, but it can also be, you know, full content, right? It could be a a character at a theme park coming out to int- introduce themselves and welcome you into the ride and all that sort of stuff. So this, this idea of like a digital layer and everything is, I feel like just around the corner. Uh, actually at AWE, we, we went and tried the Mojo vision, the AR uh, contact lenses. I don't oh. know if you've seen that, but uh you know, so that's already in development. Like, uh, they already have an ability to, in such a small space, be able to d- display all this kind of content. It's not it's not 3D yet, but, you know, you could put it in your eye, and then you can actually see information all around you. Um, crazy thing is, if you close your eyes, you can still see it. So,
0: oh, <laughs> weird. I never thought about that. That's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, oh it's so gosh. interesting because... AR has so many exciting facets that I feel like we barely touched on yet in the world. And it's, it's so it can be so much for all of us. I think about like a motorcycle helmet that shows you the directions you're going on the road instead of having to rely on looking down at a phone while you're trying to ride a motorcycle, you know, something. Yeah, like that. that's, that's absolutely amazing. You're doing all this and the contact was I never thought about the fact you could still see it when you close your eyes. That is really wild. <laughs>
1: It was, a, um, and it was funny you talk about the motorcycle side, like we work with a, a big car company with their advanced design team. So they work on cars that are 10, 15 years out um, and and how to, we're using all this tech to try to tell that story, but also um, try to predict what, how it will, it will work in the future. So yeah, super interesting. Um, they call it HMI, the human machine interface. Like what kind of display stuff should we show? How much is too much? Like. I remember one of our first projects we were so excited, like, Oh, what if you could project all this stuff around you, you know, like you look everywhere and there's like digital information everywhere. And then, uh, um, you actually try it out and it's just like, whoa, that's like too much, you know? I just want to see the world once in a while, you know?
2: Right. <laughs> that,
1: that felt very Black Mirror, like, man, that's like layers <laughs> and layers of stuff,
0: yeah. A little too much. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you mentioned in there Lucasfilms, and of course, when I hear Lucasfilms, I have to ask, did you know about Baby Yoda before we did? <laughs>
1: I, I, no, they are they are oh. so, they are so tight-lipped, so yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I think on one movie, we got to, uh, I think it was uh, Force Awakens. There was one character that we got to introduce in AR first. So oh, this was like, wow. like 20,000 retail locations in the world. You could go in and scan these standees and characters would come out. Uh, and one of them was like a, a, a debut. Of course, it wasn't a giant, it wasn't a massive character. It wasn't like a Baby Yoda, but uh, it was still neat that we were the first to play with these, you know, ILM gives us, you know, uh, film resolution 3D models that we have to like scale down to work in on your phone. So
0: that's, that's cool. so cool to hear. I feel like Lucasfilms is really ahead of things. Like when it comes to tech, so I'm not surprised you worked with them because they also like they announced the emperor was coming back in like a fortnight concert or something. Like they had this sneak peek to it uh-huh. and they just, they really seem to understand that the future of marketing is in these digital spaces.
1: Yeah. I think that's the exciting thing right now. It's just like, there's so many, um, you know I feel like if if you are if you're in the ad industry making TV commercials like you've been making the same it's the same thing for however many years right like yeah. i mean the technology is changing a little bit and it's it's fun the the filmmaking side but i feel like in this uh, on this xr space like man every few months there's like a there's new stuff to play with there's new things to investigate like it's it's tiring because it's like you're always on the sprint trying to learn more stuff but Um, at the same time, it's, you know, it's really energizing, right? Like it's, you never do the same day twice. So
2: yeah, it's funny, because we, we talked about how people were really upset about having ads, or, you know, potentially having ads in um, the Oculus or the meta headset. Um, But I think people might not be as upset if it was something cool, you know, if it's interacting with things and learning more, instead of just, I think people were thinking, you know, they were picturing, there's just going to be ads all over your face, and you're not going to be able to enjoy your VR headset. But if it's, you know, experiences and things like that, I think people wouldn't be so. Yeah, I think, I mean,
1: I think that's going to be on on the brands and on, on agencies like us, right? We have to make that like engaging. And, and that's actually, Playing out right now on the XR space, like if you compare, um, you know, engagement times with you know AR lenses and things like that, compared to a banner ad, right? Like a banner ad is like that old school way of doing it. Like everyone just either ignores it or avoids it. I don't even know why they have those up, anyways. Like, like the the the, the it's infinitesimal that the effectiveness of them. You know, they just get in the way of the content that you really want, but. If you look at a snap blend, you know, people look forward to that. They they get to like be part of the brand or, you know, play with their favorite characters and stuff like that and, and make themselves a hero in that space. Like that is so much more effective, right? So I think you're right. Like there's that someone will figure out that similar approach on, on the VR side. It's like really about delivering something to the audience that they actually want instead of annoy right so
2: right yeah we don't want billboards and vr games
1: (laughs) i mean you see all the skins and stuff like that doing really well like i think there was an article about like how much money the nfl made selling uh uh, skins on Fortnite. it was like some incredible you know tens of millions of dollars like Mm -hmm. for such low low effort on their part right you know right model some some outfits and
2: yeah we were talking a little bit about Fortnite earlier speaking of the skins and things like that. Um so we saw that Roblox recently was announced to be even bigger than Fortnite. Can you tell us about your work with Roblox?
1: Yeah, we are uh very engaged with their game fund. Um so uh they have a brand group as well that we are trying to um have some of our uh clients work with as well where in that case the the clients are kind of paying for smaller experiences to be built within Roblox um and then the 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 brand team within Roblox will help kind of market it and drive traffic to it so uh we we see that as a as a great uh solution for a lot of brands just trying to get into you know, the metaverse, the immersive metaverse side, like we are funneling them towards Roblox just because the numbers are so great. And then also the uh, kind of a development requirement is not as giant, uh, you know, uh, Fortnite's kind of a closed world a, a bit. Um, uh, and then it's also more flexible what you can build in that space. So, you know, there are examples of, uh, you know, Aloe built something where it's a it's, it's yoga island, you know, it's very like a, you go there and you get to meditate and learn yoga moves and stuff like that. And uh, there's a whole uh, Nike world where there's um, uh, different little mini games everywhere. So there's a lot of flexibility uh, and there's a big audience there as well. So uh, if you build something right, you could definitely gather that audience uh, with the game fund. It's it's a little bit bigger. They are looking for um, kind of longer term. Uh, bigger experiences, not marketing driven, but something that will exist on their platform for many years and be very successful. So it's been a real pleasure kind of working with their teams, kind of working through the game design, uh, looking at uh, what works, what doesn't work and kind of uh, build it from um, on top of their experience, you know, but also bringing something that's different uh, to the table. Like, again, what what I mentioned earlier, like that idea of it's not... we don't only want to build it in Roblox. We always want to build something in kind of the real world metaverse as well. So AR things like if it's a, uh, you know, if it's AR stuff in the stadium or maybe at the movie theater, but then that, that, that play there, let's say you unlock a character in the movie theater. Then, then when you go into Roblox, that character can appear in your game Uh, or an outfit, or you earn something within Roblox. And then the next time you go to the movie theater, you know, something pops up there, like, we want to really uh, create that connected tissue. Uh, and I think it's a kind of a unique ability for us to be able to play on, on both sides.
0: That's that's really cool. Bringing up the... the- pulling the world into the the digital world, to the real world. And I'm surprised it took us as long, but the word metaverse finally came up. <laughs> and I wonder for someone who works in your field and does all these kind of projects, when someone comes to you and says, what is the metaverse? How do you respond?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we say it's, it's a general, it's a general term of like, basically putting digital content over the physical world, you know, in a very persistent way. Um, and it's not a, it's not a destination that's here now. It's definitely in you know in the future, um, but it's being built by all our big partners now. So there's it's not going to be one one group that wins the metaverse. That there are so many other pieces that need to to work for that to happen. So there are big hardware players. You know there are uh, there's the Verizon's and the big telcos of the world that need to provide that connectivity. There's the people like Qualcomm that are providing the chips for the headset, you know, and then the, and then the actual headset manufacturers and then, of course, players like Meta and stuff uh, as well. So it's going to be this whole idea of like this. This is one destination that you're going to go to for the metaverse. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to, you know, like the Internet, like the phone. There's all these different you know, I don't. I don't want to be in character to walk into a bank in the metaverse to go <laughs> wait in line and then go up to speak to a metaverse teller to go take my money out. Right? Like, oh my God! Like, I have a phone where I can just do that in you know in in like five seconds. Like, why would I want that experience? And same thing with the even right now, like when people are doing uh, metaverse retail, and it's it's you can see it's very beginning steps. Right? Like they take a. They take the retail store and then they just put it in 3D and you're like, huh, like, is that really an advantage? You know, like, uh, shouldn't it be more like the matrix where you're like, Hey, I want guns and it's, you know, and, you you know, (laughs) I want, yeah, I want a party outfit, you know, like I want it in blue, it all changes to blue. Actually changed my mind. They should be, you know, I'm looking for like a pink dress that goes with, and then it all changes in real time right like that's that's the interaction that we're trying to find not like hey it should be the same as a store with limited inventory limited sizes and i gotta walk all the way to this other corner to try this pair of pants when my shirt was on this other corner right like that that doesn't make sense so yeah
0: people get stuck in the way it is now and thinking we have to make that virtual but we've got to realize that we don't want to do things the way we're doing now. If we're in the virtual world, we need a new way to do things. It needs to be cooler. It needs to be more fun. Yeah. It's, it's limitless. Why would I want to stand in a Nike store and look at shoes on the shelf? Like I can do in real life. It's that's not any better virtually. So I
1: think like, but you have to experiment, you know, like, I think people yep. have to, I think that's the thing. And like you have to try and then you do a little bit of innovation. Like sometimes if you, if you go too far, then it just, A, it confuses the consumer, right? Like I've never been into a store where I can just say what I want and it just pops up and appears in front of me. But like you can kind of take them on that journey over time. So I think you do have to start closer to present day and experiment and see what works and then people get used to that and then you you just go further along. So if you think about like um, when the smartphone came out, like the apps that first happened then and then, what apps we're doing now i mean it's completely different right like how much banking has changed how much like you know getting a vehicle like an uber like that that's that's a complete different experience you know so it'll, it'll evolve and, and that's that's fine yeah it'll be a fun journey for everyone <laughs> yeah we can
2: be like lego and we can you know experiment and figure out what actually works <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I really like your description too of the metaverse because I feel like what we've heard from a lot of people is kind of a vision of it just being a virtual world only. Mm-hmm. And I like this idea and I think it makes a lot more sense that it's not just having everything be virtual, it's bringing stuff in kind of like what you're doing already, having like a seamless flow from mm-hmm. The real world to the virtual world to, you know, stuff on your phone and things like that. Like, I feel like you're already having the beginning steps of that with what is already happening right now. And then we'll just see it be more and more seamless. I think that makes yeah, so much really, more sense than what I've heard from a lot. Of oh, people.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We really think it's going to be these, these two sides of that same coin, right? Like the real world metaverse side, which is more AR based and then the, then the immersive metaverse side, which could be kind of, desktop now or, or VR later on, but ultimately it's going to be, it'll work on every single device and all like interconnect all experiences on all these different devices. So
0: that's uh, I like that you also compare it to the internet. Cause that's what I usually do. when people ask about the metaverse, like the internet has so many companies working that keep the internet alive. We need providers. We need our devices, our gateways into this internet. You can't just get into the internet in your head. You need a gateway. And Metaverse seems like it's kind of the same thing. So a lot of people assume right now, oh, it's got to be all VR. So we all need VR headsets, but it's not. You brought up phones, AR devices, contact lenses. These are all things that can be our gateway, but we're still not mainstream. And people say, oh, well, for a product to be considered mainstream, it needs to be 50 million or 100 million units have been sold. What do you think about that through the lens of the fact that, yes, we don't have 100 million VR headsets. But we have a well over a hundred million phones already.
1: Yes, I mean, I mean that's actually why, like, we tell our clients, like, hey, if you if you want to dip your toes, I mean, we we're chasing the the user numbers, right? So, um, and we're we're chasing reach. So there are there are, I think there's six point something billion smartphones that can run AR right now. So if you look at that versus like, yeah, 10 million DR headsets. Like, that That seems like an obvious choice. Like, if you're going to spend some money and you want to reach a broader audience, go towards the AR smartphone side. Um, uh, but then if you want to touch on the immersive, that's why we find partners like uh, Roblox that has that scale already. And that's where we think your dollars are going to go further. But um, we still encourage uh, our clients to experiment as much as possible, you know. I think there is an advantage to, to being first and, and learning first because, um, you know, when when you look at these transition to the smartphone world, like these big companies that were slow to transition, they lost really fast, you know? I mean, it was amazing how you had big companies just suddenly disappear in like a, you know, eight year span that had been there for, you know, a hundred years before, you know? So um, I, I feel like that that same innovation cycle uh, might even be more vicious when it comes to the, the the metaverse.
2: So with this kind of shift in thinking of, instead of having 100 million headsets or something like that, going with what people already have, people already have these phones that have AR capabilities, do you think that this means AR or XR is already mainstream? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's it's mainstream in, in kind of little pockets, right? So if you look at... Numbers from Snap, the, the the amount of AR engagement that they get every single day or the amount of their, like 70% of the audience is doing something in AR, you know, multiple times a day, right? Like, so for the, the younger target audience, like that's just, it's not, it's not new. It's just, it's just part of daily activity and daily behavior. So the, the great thing with that is you can always just build on top of it. So it's, that, that's why it's so important. Like when it comes to, when the world is ready for everything in AR on headsets, the fact that you've been doing most of it on the phone and it's like a little bit of a transition, you know, that's, that's gonna lead to adoption, right? Like, hey, I, I'm already doing this kind of behavior. I, it's useful, it's super fun on my phone. Now it's gonna be hands-free and even easier on my headset. Like that's an easy sell versus like, hey, buy this headset. You've never done this thing before. You've never ha- had this kind of experience. You know, we're trying to tell you that it, you're gonna really like it, drop 200 bucks or three hundred bucks and buy this headset, that that's a hard sell, you know?
2: Right. And we've seen that a lot with VR, you know, with people are skeptical, it's hard to get them to try it. And especially, you know, there's not a lot of places where people can just try it before buying it. So I think that is a really good point that that could be an easier transition for people than straight VR blocking out, you know, all of reality. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense,
1: and it's actually it's funny. Like we we've been working on the HMD space for for quite a while. We have done a lot of work on all these different devices, and uh, like so recently with Qualcomm, there's this new. Um, they have uh, a product called Snapdragon Spaces, which is which is going to be this authoring and an operating system for for many uh, head head mounted devices. So before when we. Needed to build an experience on HoloLens and then, let's say, magic leap uh, and then and real, like we would have to rebuild it every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, with Qualcomm, what they want to do is it's almost like an Android solution. Like I, I build it once on their platform, and then it works on an LG headset. It works on a Samsung headset. It works on a you know a Lenovo headset. like that that's kind of the promise. Um, but in the early days, we were always pushed to do kind of like big eye candy stuff that would like wow people when they put it on and then now the second round like a few years later it's all about utility you know it's like how do you find something that like is super useful that people can put on and understand what that benefit's going to be so um i think it's we've we've gone past this phase where it's like just in peace and impress people with 3d graphics you know it's about (laughs) I need to understand why this
0: is going to be useful and and powerful for me on a day-to-day basis. Right. Definitely. It's very impactful the way you're doing things. You've covered a lot of stuff here. I'm really excited about what you're doing in this space. Is there anything else you were thinking, oh, I wanted to mention this or kind of talk about, give people a preview of what's coming? This is your time here. Is there anything you wanted to cover?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're excited to. We just did a launch for, um, we've done a few launches for uh, using Niantic's lightship recently. So one was uh, Coachella. So bringing... Um, within the Coachella app, we're kind of bringing AR content uh, to the to the uh, music festival. Like we had um, one on the util- utility side, you could use an AR lens or AR view to, to see where the location of everything around you, like where the stages were, how far were, they were, where's the food, the beer, the restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, very useful. And then, uh, but then we also had an experiential thing where, um, you could add this AR layer to the world around you so uh, and then there's there's certain things like spectra which is a big tower at Coachella like we designed custom computer vision uh, to kind of figure out where the top of that tower was so we could land a gigantic butterfly uh, so all these things to kind of add to the to the experience there and then on you know uh, at the same time or, or like a month later we launched using their tech a a game for the PGA, um, that was teaching kids how to play golf. So it's kind of like walking them through, you know, the basics of like putting to like, you know, your driver, and then how you play like the the, the mid game, but all using kind of like safari characters, uh, it was full multiplayer, but it was kind of, I think it, it, it showed all these different ways, like the different utility of AR, right? Like, um, Uh, It can entertain people, it could give them directions, but it could also be a teaching tool uh, and like really engage uh, kids to learn something that might be really hard to learn, you know, because you can't afford to go to a golf course or it's too far of a drive or, you know, but you can still learn the basics. If you have a phone,
0: it's a powerful, powerful uh, tool for sure. It's it's awesome. And Jason, I've got to say, I think that having you on today has actually helped broaden my horizons as to what XR itself even is, the metaverse, all these ideas. So I want to say a huge thank. It's been really awesome talking to you and learning about all this.
1: Oh no, then uh, super fun to be on uh, on your podcast. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Hey, if you're out there and you're listening and if you learn something today, remember whether you're listening to us or you're watching us on YouTube, we're in both places. You can take us anywhere on the go with you on all of your favorite audio platforms. And of course, you can come to YouTube and see. We'll try and get some clips of some of the projects Jason has been talking about here, show you some of that up on the screen, too, so you can see what's going on. If you're out there, you can rate or review us. That would really help with the podcast and spreading it out there, although supposedly one list is saying we are the second biggest VR podcast out there. so. I don't know, that's really exciting to us, so thank you, all of you. And if you're thinking about VR, maybe it's time to just dive on in.
2: on in.